But Lord, for all of us, this is a significant event. Whether a young believer or someone who's kind of delayed this, this is significant. Um, so I actually grew up in the church. Um, my parents um, actually planted a church um, when I was younger with a few of their friends. And when I was 14, I was diagnosed with migraines, and then later um, they turned into hemoplegic migraines, uh, where half your body goes numb. Um, and then I would kind of like walk with a cane, etc. I remember praying over and over for God to take my pain away. I felt that he had turned his back on me. That if he loved me that much, why couldn't he just take it away? Right when I had gotten the hemoplegic uh, diagnosis, I had met my husband. He stayed with me, I gave him an out. Because <laughs> um, I was like, hey, do you really want to do this for the rest of your life? Right before we started going to Colonial Woods, uh, we found out my husband's getting deployed. I walked into the church, and we sang, Sean sang, uh, Firm Foundation and Run to the Father. I felt home, like I was going to be okay. Through going through not having your partner next to you for an entire year, that I was going to be okay. I'm over three hours away from my family, so to truly be over here alone, I know I'm not alone anymore. for her testimony. Great to see you this morning. Turn to somebody near you and say, you look incredible this morning. Do that, would you? It's not a lie if you mean it in your heart. <laughs> it's good. Oh, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, could you take them and turn to Matthew chapter 14? Going to conclude our little three-part series on daring faith, and today we're going to we're going to talk about daring to step out, take a step, and we're going to be going out of Matthew chapter 14 today. We started our series talking about stepping across the line, making a commitment to Jesus Christ. Last week we. Um, invited folks to surrender, to uh, step across the line of surrender, to live with a continual yes on our hearts, and we gave opportunity with the little lordship checks, and then today we're going to say, okay, now how do we put this into action of daring faith? Daring faith is audacious faith, it's adventuresome faith, it's, it's a little nervy, and Matthew chapter 14 is a great illustration of it. I was actually uh, with a group of individuals in February in Israel. We uh, had a kind of a busy morning. This happens sometimes when you put a little too much on your daily plate. And we, we were needing to make a, an appointment to get on a boat to do a cruise on the Sea of Galilee. And so we were kind of hustling to it. We got our group. I think we had about 40 people. And so trying to 
uh, try to get 40 individuals that are part of, uh, when you try to get 40 Christians anywhere, it's like herding cats. You try, but it doesn't work as well. And, and so we were trying to get them onto the boat. We got onto the boat and uh, I had kind of a sigh of relief. You know how that is when you finally are at a point and sat down, we were laughing and we were just taking off from the shoreline and we were just talking amongst ourselves and I was probably being loud or something like that. And, and then um, they did a couple of announcements and it was just all kind of preliminary stuff. And then a song came over the, the, the speaker system. It's the song Oceans. Now, if you know the song, it's about Jesus walking on the water and Peter stepping out of the boat. And the words of the song start like this. Um, you called me uh, out into the waters, the great unknown where my feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery. In oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name and I'll keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine. And it just hit me. I'll believe it's the Holy Spirit trying to get my attention. It's kind of like sometimes, boom, he hits you and I realized, oh my word, think about where you're at. You know, half a mile off a shoreline. It might have been here. This, this might have been the exact place where Jesus was walking on the water. Where the disciples looked out and thought they saw a ghost. Maybe, maybe this is where Peter took his, yeah, feeble, but he took steps of faith to get out of the boat. I, it just overwhelmed me in the next 10 minutes or so. I just couldn't help get away from the enormity of the, of the place where I was at. Matthew chapter 14 is a familiar story. Three of the gospel authors tell the story. Uh, they focus on Jesus walking on the water. Matthew and Mark and John. Luke doesn't get to this particular story in his gospel. But it's interesting what, what Scripture says in Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. This is just after they fed the 5,000. By the way, Mark says the exact same thing. Jesus made them get into the boat. And I actually think that's intended on purpose because I think Jesus, Jesus was intending this scene to be a learning step of faith for the disciples. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, Scripture says, and I think John, they were about three and a half miles out. They, by the way, had been battling all night. It says the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them. The uh, New uh, American Standard Bible says the waves were contrary. They were being beaten by the waves. During the fourth watch, which is about four in the morning at night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. 
Now, I believe this passage is a daring faith passage. This is about the evolution and the growth of the disciples. And, and it's interesting how oftentimes, if we're going to grow in our faith, they don't come on sunny days, right? It doesn't come in the best of circumstances. It tends to be in the challenging circumstances that our, our faith really does get tested and has opportunity to grow. You'll notice in this passage some descriptive things that happen. It says they were a long distance. Sometimes you got a huge challenge that's in front of you, long distance. In fact, Scripture indicates that, that this really should have been on a typical night, probably about, a, about a, a, an hour or so. This now had become an all-night journey. Um, it struck me in the first hour. It's kind of like Gilligan's Island. It was a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. Um, and it turned into something much better, or deeper than that. So this was a huge challenge. They were discouraging circumstances. You'll notice they were being battered by the waves. This was, we don't know if this was a full-blown storm. It wasn't unusual uh, for the winds to come off the Gulan Heights. The Sea of Galilee is not particularly big, body of water. It's about 13 miles long, seven and a half miles at its widest spot compared to the Great Lakes even. It's not particularly large. But the way the winds come through the mountains and the Gulan Heights is that, it, especially during winter, it really churns up the water. It becomes waves going one direction, wind going another direction. If you've ever been in contrary seas like that, it, it can get wavy and it can get desperate and there are no motorized boats and so it can get pretty desperate pretty quickly. And so this is a very discouraging circumstance. It was frustrating the resistance they were getting because the wind was contrary to them and Every indication is that they were starting to lose strength because they had been battling all night. If they took off, let's say, at nighttime, sundown, it's now 4 o'clock in the morning. In fact, I think every gospel author says this on purpose. There is something that comes against our faith when it's dark. Uh, stress, Worries, relationships, finances, picket lines. It tends to hit us, the what ifs, at nighttime. And it says it was about four in the morning. I don't know about you, if I'm going to wake up and, and struggle, it's going to be three or four in the morning. And this becomes an incubator of faith. It's the environment with which faith tends to develop and grow. Now the reason that I chose Matthew's gospel is because Matthew is the only gospel author who gives the next part of this story. He's the only one that mentions Peter. Maybe because Mark thinks it's not really the point. It could be that John doesn't want to kind of make Peter look bad, although Peter did enough to make himself look bad, or maybe, maybe it's not, not the point of their story, but, but, but we notice that different people tell different events that happened at the very same gathering. If you were to talk about what happened at service today, very likely we'd get a lot of different descriptions as to what happened in the service. It's not unusual, but notice what Matthew draws attention to. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. 
And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, that word little mean, doesn't mean no faith. It means a faith that endures. It's a faith that continues to completion. Why did you doubt? You see, Matthew is trying to tell a portion of the story which I think is a secondary part to this story, the primary part being Jesus walking on the water. The primary aspect is that Jesus calmed the storm and got in and, and they were immediately at shore, John says. But, but Matthew wanted us to see kind of this other part of the story of how this is part of Peter's faith journey. Peter had been on this this faith journey, and it, it's amazing how often it was a boat-related thing. He's a fisherman. He knew boats. And, and Luke says in chapter 5 that the, that the first encounter that Peter had with Jesus was at a boat. Jesus wanted to speak to the crowd. He sees two empty boats down by the, the Sea of Galilee or Gennesaret, which is the lake, which is the same thing, place. And, and he goes down and he gets into the boat. He looks at Peter and says, can you put out so that I can go out here and speak? He did so. He spoke to the crowd. And then he looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, put out into a little deeper water why don't we go fishing Peter had already been fishing all night he looks at Jesus and he says Lord man we've already been fishing all night and we haven't caught a thing you hear the desperation in his voice and Jesus tells him to do it and he says okay nevertheless because you tell me to I'll do it and so much fish was collected that's kind of a famous story that they had to call for another boat and both boats were filled and Peter left everything to follow Jesus First encounter, Jesus met him in a boat. He met him in a very comfortable place. Just a few passages before this particular event, they were in a boat. There was a storm that took place. Particularly, Matthew chapter 8 is the Matthew passage. Mark also talks about it. But they were in a boat. If you remember, Jesus was there. They look at Jesus. It's a storm. They look at Jesus and say, hey, don't you care? We're going to die. Jesus looks at them and says, hey, why do you have such little faith? Siupa means to muzzle an angry dog. Siupa, peace. Be still and immediately the waves and the storm and the winds died down and they began to worship Jesus saying, who is this man who even controls the seas and tells the waves what to do? in a boat this episode it's almost as if Jesus says I will meet you where you're at and I will come to you where you're comfortable but I will always as part of your faith journey call you to an uncomfortable place this time you got to get out of the boat and I know people focus on it. Man, you know, Peter blew it, got all upset about the waves and the wind and stuff. I, I have come to be fascinated by this passage because this, Peter's the only one who even thought about getting out of the boat. And actually, the Lord never told him to get out of the boat as the first idea. This was actually Peter's idea. I think this is part of the evolution of his faith. He's, he's, he's like, hey, is it really you? Lord, if that is really you, tell me. I'm going to get out and I'm going to come and walk to you. Jesus then replies, come. 
But it was Peter's idea. You ever done that where you're all of a sudden you're so excited what God is doing? It's like all of it, just for a microsecond, you have all this incredible faith and you begin to step out and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute, what am I doing? This is nuts. I feel like Wile E. Coyote in the Roadrunner show. I just ran out off of a cliff. I'm running in midair. I look around and it's like, oh, wait a minute, what am I doing? I shouldn't be able to do this. Oh, and then you plummet. And by the way, if you don't get that analogy, you really need to expand your horizons. <laughs> Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. It's classic TV. It's in a boat. And, and we oftentimes just don't want to get out of a boat. Peter knew boats. He was comfortable in a boat. I don't want to get out of my boat. And there are things that we really resist in our faith because I don't want to get out of the boat. In fact, I, I was thinking about it this week. Why don't I want to get out of the boat? And one of the reasons I don't want to get out of the boat is because I like my boat because it's familiar. I like my boat. I like where I'm at. I like the familiar, even if the familiar is unhealthy. Even if the familiar is not particularly good for me, I like what I know. The Israelites were, were being called into the promised land. They were literally about to just step over the Jordan. They'd already gone through the Red Sea. This barrier was nothing like that. And they turned back and they said to themselves, hey, we'd rather go back to Egypt. We'd rather live in slavery. We'd rather go through hardship. We'd rather eat the stuff that was there. It was a horrible existence, but they'd rather go back to the horrible familiar than to step into the unfamiliar unknown that God had planned for them. We like the familiar. I mean, it's hard enough. It's hard enough to get us to find a different seat at church. I know I don't. I got it right there. I sit there all the time. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nightmare. You're getting me out of my seat, you know, and and before you laugh too much, I notice you're kind of in the same place as I notice. <laughs> I, um, I uh, had in our last church, dear lady, she's in heaven today, who uh, we had hard uh, backs on our pews, and, and uh, so she uh, would uh, have a pillow there for her. And she left her pillow there. It was always in the same place. She sat in the same place every single week. And it was over on this side. And uh, one Sunday morning, we had some guests that were with us for that day. And they obviously, the pillow either got moved by somebody or they moved the pillow. And so Anna came down the side aisle and she went up and she literally just stood there and looked at them. <laughs> and they said, can we help you? And she said, you're sitting in my, my seat. And she wasn't being mean. She didn't know what to do. I mean, she just... So what we're going to do today is I want everybody to stand up. And I went, no, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. But you know what I'm saying? We like what we like. Oh, yeah, Peter, he, was a, he likes it. Yeah, we like the familiar. Number two, we, uh, we like the safe. I like my boat. My boat's safe. And the reason I know it's safe is because I am scared to death at failing. The fear of failure is one of those things that just keeps us where we're at because it's, it's, uh, there were a couple of psychiatrists who wrote um, a study on NFL and, and football. And, and by the way, I need to just let you know, I am a Notre Dame football fan. I am really mourning this morning. I, I am, I am I'm in deep pain. Where's Dave Getz? Dave and I, oh, Dave, I almost called you last night. 
We're going to go to therapy together later. And he's a counselor. It's a great example, by the way. One, four, inches, inches. But I digress. They found that NFL coaches know the stats. The stats are that if it's late in the game and it is less than a yard and fourth down, you are got a better chance of winning if you go for it than if you don't go for it. But they, they said the power of bad is so strong. They know that if they go for it and they fail to make it, even though statistics say they have a better chance of winning the game, nine times out of ten they will not go for it because the fear of failure is so strong. They know they're going to be criticized in the media. They know that that play is going to be shown over and over. They know it's going to happen. They would choose not to lose rather than to try to win. And they don't go for it. We don't want to fail. By the way, I was uh, pulling my notes out. I, I keep files uh, in that I've been, for 30 years, I've been saving clippings and things like that. I'm still kind of a paper guy. And um, I uh, was going into my file on faith just to see if there was any, something new that jumped out at me. And I, I went to pull out my file on faith, which, by the way, is like this thick. I went to pull it out. Guess what the file right next to it is? About this thick. Failure. And I, I looked at that and I thought, man, is this just a coincidence or what? It's too close for comfort. I don't want to fail. And because I don't want to fail, I don't ever want to try. Because if I try and I fail, I can't deal with that. It's the power of the bad. It says that the power is so great in the wiring of our brain that we give it way more attention than it need. The last reason that we tend to want to stay in the boat, we're kind of a resistor, is uh, I like my boat because um, you fill in the blank. We've all got our reasons. Might be tired, might be lazy, might be frustrated, might be discouraged, whatever it is. There's all kinds of things that keep us in that boat. But here, here's what I want us to see. There was a point in Peter's journey of faith where God said listen you're going to grow this much where you're at in the place of comfort there is going to be a place where you're going to have to step out daring audacious faith will at some point have to step out and when we step out it is interesting what it does number one daring faith gives rise to more daring faith in our own life you will find that when you step out in faith, no matter how you look back now, you probably look back at some decisions you've made in life and you think that was a decision of faith and you're almost laughing at it to think that you thought it was that big of a deal because it just wasn't that big a deal. But as you step out in faith and as you see God answering that that in your life, you will notice you begin to anticipate even greater things in your life. You follow the journey of Peter's life, the next time we see him in a boat is jumping out of the boat. It's, it's John chapter 21. Peter has failed miserably. He has, he has already denied Christ. He has forsaken him. He has, he has been forgiven by virtue of the fact the Lord is alive and he was restored in a moment. But in chapter 21 of John, Jesus appears to the disciples. Peter's in a boat with his brother. He's out there with some other guys fishing. And here's what it says, this passage. He says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. 
And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. Translation, he put his outer coat on for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. I just find it fascinating. I can't get away from this. Some of you will remember the name Dwight Weber. He was a pastor here, associate pastor for a number of years. And I remember one time Dwight was preaching on this passage and he asked a question I had never considered before. Why in the world did Peter put his outer coat on to jump into the water? You ever thought about that? Who does that? We, we take our clothes off to jump in the water. We take off the heavy stuff to jump into the water. And I don't know if this is the reason or not, but I cannot not see it in this passage. Ever said he said this. He said, did you ever think he put the outer coat on to jump into the water because he never thought he was going to get wet? Almost like, hey, you know what? Last time I jumped into the water, I was able to walk. Lord, if that's you, man... I'm on my way, put on my good duds, get into the water, I ain't getting wet. We don't know if that's exactly it or not, but I love it because again, a boat is related as he steps out in faith. Within just a few chapters of scripture, Acts chapter two, Peter is standing filled with the Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost, 3,000 people come to Christ that day and repent and are baptized and a follower of the Lord. Chapter three, he's walking with John to the, temple gate beautiful when there's a crippled man the crippled man looks at him and he and Peter says hey look at us and he says silver and gold I have none but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I tell you to walk and he leaned down and he helped the individual stand up and it says in the man who had been crippled from birth his legs were strengthened and he was able to run he was able to stand and to walk Chapter 4, they're taken into custody by the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, and they're told never to name the name of Jesus again, and he defends the name of Jesus, and he speaks to the religious rulers, and he basically tells them, I'm not going to follow you. I am going to declare Jesus Christ as Lord, and it says, and they were all impressed, astounded at their courage, because he was just an ordinary fisherman. And you'd say, Pastor, I could never do that. Well, you couldn't if you're still sitting in a boat. I guarantee sitting in a boat, you can't do it. One step of faith leads to a deeper step of faith. I can tell you the journey in my life, I can tell you the journey in other people's lives, how one seemingly, you know what my first step of faith as a believer was that I remember that was a significant turning event in my life that seems like nothing now. I said no to an invitation to join a fraternity at Indiana University. And not only did I say no, I told the president why. I'm not saying being part of a frat is wrong. I just knew I couldn't. And I told him I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and that I didn't think I would be able to withstand the temptations that I knew I was going to face. Seems like a nothing decision now. It was transformational in my life and it led to the next decision and the next decision and the next decision. What is it 
that God is asking for you just to step out and believe. A relationship, a financial situation. You know what? It could be, we talk about generosity and giving. It might be faith seed of just simply, you know, I could never do this. You're going to step out in faith. I'm actually going to trust the Lord to do something in my marriage or my my life or in my kids' lives. I'm actually going to take a step of believing. I'm going to tell you, when we take steps of faith, it's amazing how God meets us in that moment, as small as they may seem, and then he gives rise to deeper faith in our life. Number two, daring faith gives rise to faith in other people. It changes their lives. There's a part of this story that's the after story that we didn't read. I just want you to read the next couple of verses. Notice what it says in verse 26. I'm sorry, not 26, verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat and the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now look what happens. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who were touched by him were healed. Does that sound familiar? Remember the woman who had the bleeding disorder? We talked about pressing in on the very first Sunday of the year. She pressed in past the crowd. She touched the hem of Jesus' cloak, believing that if she could just touch the hem of his cloak, she could be healed. Nobody had ever done that. She was the first. Isn't it interesting, just a couple of chapters later, hundreds are being healed by touching the hem of of a cloak. Why? Because one woman pressed in, had this much faith, was healed, and it impacted hundreds of people. By the way, fast forward to Acts chapter 3 where Peter heals the man at the temple gate beautiful. You know what it says? People would bring their sick there hoping just the shadow of Peter would fall on them and they would be healed. You don't think your faith matters to anyone else? When you exercise faith, maybe not at the moment, people will see God's faithfulness in your your lives. You don't think it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And then lastly, daring faith brings tremendous glory to God because you can't do it on your own. That's what faith is. If you can do it in your own strength, if you can do it in your own ability, then, then why do you need God? And, and I don't think it's just coincidence, the very last words that Peter writes in Scripture, in 2 Peter chapter 3, 
are these words. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if we couldn't just insert a word there. Grow in the grace and the faith and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Honestly, our faith is not about us and it's not about the people sitting next to you. It impacts us greatly. It really is ultimately all about Him. His glory, His honor. What's God calling you to trust Him in and step out in? I know you'll always be able to explain it away. You'll always be able to explain it away. No, He's not really speaking to me. It's just my emotions. I'm just simply saying, what has the Holy... I don't care care if it's stepping into a ministry or stepping into whatever it is. Whatever it is, you said last week you'd say yes. There were hundreds that said yes. Well, yes has to be put into action into a step. And I know we got to close, but I, I I wonder if you know the rest of the song, Oceans, because here's what the chorus says. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Father, thank you for your word and thank you that you call us in our faith. You know us so much better than we know ourselves. If the first call of faith was uh, to step out of a boat, it would be awfully challenging. But it's amazing how, Lord, you meet us where we're at and then you bring us to where you want us to be. And there are some who just began the journey of faith not long ago, stepping across the line. And you're going to meet them where they were at, but you love them too much to leave them where they're at. And so the Lord's beginning to speak to you about habits in your life or relationships that are unhealthy. And it started in a place of comfort and in a place of need, but God's beginning to take you deeper. And some of you last week said yes without understanding exactly where yes was going to lead you. But you knew this, you were tired of being in control of your own life. You wanted him to be in the driver's seat. And this week he's beginning to speak to you about some other things, step of obedience, places that you want to go back to because you know them and they're familiar. But he's saying, I want you to step out and see what I can do and see what I can do in the lives of others if you trust me. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Can we give the Lord a hand? He's a gracious God. Love to pray with you. We have prayer partners that are here. If there's anything you'd like to pray about, we'd love to connect with you. Turn to someone near you and say, don't be afraid, step out. Do that, would you? Don't be afraid, step out. God bless.